there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. We have Dr. Rasha Bittar joining us momentarily. Let's see if I can bring him in. Yay, hey, magically appears. Dr. Rasha Bittar, Advanced Medicine. Hey, Robert, how are you? Good, man. You can hear my voice is, is kind of scraggly. Uh, I've been telling the story for all of our listeners, you know, and they followed me last week as I traveled around the country lecturing and not sleeping well in hotels and still eating well or fasting if I couldn't find good food. But uh, that kept me alive and going. But now I'm back and... Uh, Again, I'm glad to be with you and having you back in the sort of time zone as we're getting closer and closer to the Memorial Day weekend spectacular that is known as the Advanced Medicine Conference. Exciting about that. Very, very excited about that. Um, I was going to ask you, did when you do the intro, when we come in live, will we ever be able to listen to the version also of the interest of the people on uh, Facebook and other places can also hear it. Or will that that's that- a that's a valid question, and we we have a, an answer that it is possible, but it's a very complicated workaround. In that, uh, I've been they've they've taken some sympathy on me to say, you know what? Until you get really good, and I'm like two three weeks in, I think pretty soon we'll be able to do that workaround, so y'all can hear it. Those of you, I know everybody out there can hear it, but if they're watching the stream through uh, Doctor Batar's Facebook or Instagram, whatever's going out. Unless you're watching our YouTube live or catching this later, you're not going to hear all the elements the same way our audience on YouTube is hearing it. So we got to work on that. Can't hear it. Yeah. Oh, YouTube can't hear it. Okay, I didn't know. Yes. That. Yeah. No, everybody else can. But you know, it's like the back door of 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 this program. Uh, it's again another complicated layer I've got to build into it. So I'm not sure exactly yet how to do that. And in fact, Super Don, uh, let me bring you into the mix here because we were talking about Dr. Batar's open. Normally, we love to do the advanced medicine open, but. Your concern, now that we're streaming live on YouTube as well, was that we're going to get tagged for copyright, taking images from Star Trek and audio from, you know, doctor, doctor, give me the news, right? I got a bad case of loving you, that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's the, the intro. We're going to stick with the intro. We'll live dangerously uh, as far <laughs> as the audio goes. But with the video, I had to kind of reconsider using uh, images and video from uh, copyrighted works just because we're a little bit under a microscope uh, here mm-hmm. on YouTube. And so we, we got to be careful. We don't want to get ourselves completely shut down yes. and not have the, this platform right now. So we'll, we'll, we'll set a goal for next week that I'll be able to have that done in such a way that we don't have to keep looking over our shoulder. Right. Oh yeah. Next phase of this RSB show 2.0, including advanced medicine uh, 2.0. So any quick updates before we dive in? I know we've got a question of the day that'll start, you know, jumpstart us into the liver and all the things we love to talk about here. But again, anything updates on the advanced medicine conference or other things we should know? Just the uh, map to get ahead program has uh, really been way beyond what we expected. And um, it's been, it's been um, the initial feedback has been beyond what we thought. So can you still hear me, Robert? Because I just looked yep. out here. No, you're, you're doing great. You sound great. Okay, because your screen is frozen on my end, so I didn't know what, what happened. And you, you can see me because I can't see you moving anymore. No, you're good. Remember, if, if it drops, then I, I would do a quick reconnect with you, and we should be good. But uh, yeah. for now, we're all good going out into the world at large. So uh, the, the head map, again, we've been talking about it for years. It's very exciting. Right. People are tapping in, and basically you're saying the response, the results are extraordinary. 
Well, the head map has been a tool that's been available for a while. Like you said, I launched that. Um, actually, you were with me at the Truth About Cancer conference in 2017. And where was that at? Was that in Orlando? Yeah, I think that was in Orlando, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, at the second live event that Ty put on. And uh, since then, it's I think we've got a little over 20,000 people now that have uh, registered, taking the head map. But what I'm talking about is a map to get ahead program, which is utilizing the tool, but it's a whole program now associated with the tool and then gives people uh, some specifics to take action on with the support component and a consultation that they do with the head map consulting coach who goes over not only the program, but also goes over how to interpret the head map, what it means and what a person can do to take the next step in achieving ultimate detoxification and getting uh, access to the protocol so that they can actually achieve that level of health and optimizing their their wellness to a point that they're going to be satisfied with. A lot of people have a goal, but they can't achieve that goal. They haven't been able to achieve that goal. And they're almost like running around without a map trying to get somewhere. And so mm-hmm. basically the head map gives us a roadmap as to what we need to do to get ahead when it comes to detoxification. And as you know, it's a, it's been a pretty powerful tool. And so the program we just launched, which was the last webinar, which was last week, I think it was last week, yeah, a week ago, uh, just has been beyond what we expected. And um, so it, it, it was very exciting, let's put it that way. And everything that possibly could go wrong, did <laughs> go wrong. Yes. And yeah, in fact, you remember, I tried to contact you about an hour before the webinar, right? Right, yes. And, uh, but but in, despite that, we exceeded our expectations by about sixfold. Hmm. And um, all the different problems that people were having, it was so, so, so nice to see how gracious and how understanding and uh, accepting the people were that were on the webinar. You know, we were getting all sorts of messages coming in, thanking us, uh, thanking me, thanking my, me and my staff, um, you know, blessing us. And just, and I'm thinking, we're, we're having all these problems. We never have these problems during a webinar, and especially with this, you know, launching the new program. But people were just really, really appreciative, and um, it, it was fantastic. Well, and we know for people that have been following us and friends, in a sense, uh, sometimes we get to meet folks. We've done advanced medicine uh, uh, events before. Uh, and of course, the truth about cancer with Ty help, helped us to reach out more people, and you know, and not n- touch them in a way that Joe Biden does. That's a whole separate story. But you know what I'm saying? The connection is very strong, <laughs> <laughs> and so they're they're really, uh, let's say, gracious when we screw up, right? And and I remember two weeks ago, our first launch, you were the first guest, and we didn't get you on in advance. And I'm like, ah, oh, scrambling and. You know, people still go, hey, it was still great. It was awesome. Except for the toughest critics that love us, too, that go, you guys really need to put this patch this thing up. This is not going to work. Right. But those people, in a sense, also really do care. But they have a different eye for TV and presentations that we're doing now. So all critique. Honestly, we welcome it. Uh you know, even if it's negative, because the only way I've gotten good as a speaker over the years, and I've said this on the air and off the air to people that want to be good communicators, it's like the first thing you want to do is embrace the critics that are most vicious towards you. Now, some may be just haters that something you can dismiss, but find out. But don't be afraid of the things that you don't like hearing, because if you embrace that and learn from it, you'll become so proficient. Like when Dr. Bat- Dr. Batar, when you're doing your presentation stuff's landing right because you've had the experience you've listened you've gotten better over the years and that's what i would hope for everybody out there that wants to communicate these messages well you know i disagree with you when you say that we want to take the ones that are the most 
that, that are criticizing us the most. And because those are the ones, I mean, I understand why you said that. Um, I kind of, I kind of feel a little antagonistic, but of course we know that between the two of us, you're more involved than I am. So I'm <laughs> well, listen, it, it, I get it. It does. Ego is going to be bruised a bit when somebody, you know, said, Oh, that was horrible. But you know, I will push back and I'll say, listen, you obviously I didn't think it was horrible, but hey, what about it? You know, I'm asking push back. Say, you just don't throw that out. Tell me exactly what it was you didn't like. Now it might be something like, oh, it doesn't matter. It's just the message they don't like. Or it might be the way you delivered it, like a little old lady says, you know, I felt offended the way you used that word. I'm like, oh, I had no idea. And so you yeah. want them to well, not re- that kind of thing. Yeah, my, my initial response was, you know, are you stupid? You can just hit the power button and turn it off. If you don't like it, then get the hell off. What you know, that There's would be my I agree with what you're saying, because there are people that may not like a specific component of it and, and uh that that's understandable and most people are way way more courteous than i am anyway and they mm. just you know they'll they'll be very polite and they'll tell you this was great but this may have been an issue that you may want to work on mm. actually we, ha- we haven't had any comments like that you remember when we do the when we did the first uh venue with uh, natural news last was it last week yeah last week was the first one no, two weeks ago yeah two weeks ago was the first one and you remember how our audience was supporting us. And they were, when we did the test, remember when we did the test, it was like, uh, That's right. we did the test on a date. I think we did the test on a Saturday or maybe it was a Sunday. I can't mm-hmm. remember what it was. And we went live and we had, what? Well, we ended up doing an extra hour. Well, right. it was just a test, but we ended up doing an hour, uh, you know, mock-up type show and answered a bunch of questions just because our followers were so supportive to help us out. And 90% of what we were talking about. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me? Yes, you know, it's yes. Sound there, all that kind of stuff. No, again, there are, there are people that are just a little roll with us, and we appreciate that. But obviously, uh, we want to reach those that have yet to hear the message. And many of you out there are, are, are critical for us to do that because – you know, we don't have the mainstream media. We don't have the budgets of Big Pharma to just to PR it out. So it's a word of mouth in many ways that's you sharing. And the nice thing about, uh, you know, with the head mat tapping into the IADFW that you end up getting a code that can actually benefit you, supportive, supporting your efforts of reaching out as well. And that's a good thing, too, because everybody needs to diversify what they what they can get so they can support themselves and their families and reach out. And as I said, if you want to help anybody else, you better be able to help yourself first. Absolutely, because if you're... You know, if you're obese and you're telling telling somebody how they need to get in shape or how they need to get healthier by eating right, it's going to be hard for that person to receive your message. Or in the case that we used to use as an example when I was in medical school, it's a doctor that's uh, a cardiologist who's got cigarette ashes on his coat lapel, on his lab coat lapel, and he's telling you mm-hmm. to stop smoking. It's not good for your health. So you have to be consistent and aligned with your message and more than just preach it, you have to live it. And People will pick up if you are just preaching it and you're not living it because we all humans have a truth meter. I call it our BS meter. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one reason, Robert, our message is resonating so well is because people know that there's no BS. They, They can feel the truth. And when your message is not aligned with you, um, that BS meter goes off and people are hungry for the truth. I think that's one of the biggest problems in modern day society because the media is throwing out so much garbage that we're inundated with so many messages that aren't true so that when people do hear the truth, they gravitate towards it. You're right. Well, authenticity meters in a sense, and uh, people want authenticity. That's why, you know, my concern about the, uh, uh, you know, the quality of the show, it's like people are less concerned about that in this new format than they are that they're getting the message. They like the interaction. They like to be able to see you and us and, 
uh, the screen grabs. I mean, we'll, we'll continue to evolve it. But at the same time, if we screw up, it's like, oh, man, that's that's authentic. It's like, well, I'm not on purpose trying to do that. If, if that's what we got to do to be authentic, then they're like, well, we have to screw up. Really? I, I don't want that to be the case. But the concept of uh, flexing with us. Listen, let's go to our, our, our question of the day to set the stage, especially because you, you brought up detoxification on the ahead map and this uh, map to get ahead program. So uh, give a listen as we go to the question of the day. Stand by. Excuse me. I'd like to ask you a few questions. All right, here we go. Question of the day coming up right now. In fact, I'm going to show you on this screen here. We got a screen grab of it. It says, I need specific suggestions how to heal from HCV, hepatitis C virus, and cirrhosis. I currently began the standard protocol of antiviral therapy, and it totally goes against what I have believed about health and healing. However, after 10 years post-diagnosis of the HCV with no results and the additional diagnosis of cirrhosis in February of this year, I felt scared and decided to begin the therapy. I'm willing to abandon it if I can be directed to a complete protocol to begin. That's from Keisha, Dr. Batar. And again, we, we're not playing Keisha's doctor on radio or anything, but in terms of communicating ideas, information for more fully informed decision making, that's what we're here for. Well, Robert, the first thing is, um, if she started the treatment and she's willing to abandon it, I would want to know what's the treatment, because the standard of care treatment is, as you know, interferon, which will... Brutal. Yeah, which will pretty much, I don't know what the cirrhosis will kill you, but I think the interferon would. But anyway, um, and I'm only being partially facetious there. So I don't know what her conventional treatment is she started, but... It you know, could be a, that. Is, remember, is it Harvoni or one of those new pills that's supposed to last two months and cost $10,000 and you're done, done? Have you heard about? I think that's one of the yeah. treatments now. You know, the problem is that all the new treatments that have come out in the last four, five, six years. I, I don't know anything about them because I just don't use them. Even even some of the treatments that have come out in the last 10 years because I don't use a conventional uh, pharmacological approach, as you know. So I don't know a lot of the more recent pharmacological introductions of new drugs, but I do know most of those drugs are all falling into pre-existing categories. So it's just a new little spin on the same old drug. There's nothing really mm-hmm. that's come on the market that's innovative and that's new. It's all a revamp of something old. Sure. You know, it's got a new cover on it. It's got a new twist to it here or there, but it's, there's nothing there's nothing really innovative, at least that I know of. Um, no, and Dr. Batar, on this subject, and we've addressed this a little bit, but I think question brings it back up for Keisha. Uh, and this comes back to memories of our buddy Liam Sheff as well. When we talk about testing, whether it be for HIV or now hepatitis C, um, these are not necessarily tests that detect replicating viruses. And their concentration on numbers alone, like with hepatitis C, oh, your numbers are bad. Your numbers are bad. And we've told this story on there how I you know, would work with physicians and get them on, for instance, a high-dose silver, right, to neutralize viral activity. And initial phases, they're, you know, they feel great. They report to me, we, I feel great, but my doctor says I'm going to die. I said, why? Because the numbers went from this number to 10 times the number. And I'm saying, you know what? That's the debris field. You're neutralizing the stuff and you're not clearing it fast enough. And they're not detecting replicating viable viruses that are maybe damaging to you. And I'm not saying silver is the only thing in that context, but you know, when you talk about 
uh, antiviral therapies from a natural perspective and you rely on tests and not how the patient is actually functioning and doing symptomatically or otherwise, again, you're looking at your patients as a bunch of chemicals as opposed to real living human beings. Yeah, I agree with you, Robert. And the thing is that when you start looking at the numbers, when people start talking about the numbers, uh, most of our treatments, people will see the change in numbers, maybe not initially. And, and as you mentioned, sometimes the numbers may go up initially, mm-hmm. but the numbers invariably go down. In fact, we've had some very interesting cases. And in our cardiovascular DVD, even though there has nothing to do with the cardiovascular system, because we didn't have a DVD on the Know Your Options that you narrated yourself uh, of the six different DVDs and Know Your Options and Medical Series, we didn't have one specifically on detoxification or on the liver, at least as of yet. Um, I just included some of the liver information on the cardiac DVD. And what was interesting is I'll tell you a quick case study. Um, you remember the guy, Edgar Casey, right? A lot of you probably have heard of Edgar Casey. Yep. He, made, he was a tremendous healer. He wasn't a doctor, but he was a clairvoyant. And many of the prophecies that he made years ago have come to fruition. And he had an incredible capacity to be able to see people's health issues. And Edgar Casey's secretary, who was with him for, I don't remember, 25, 30 years, who basically... A transcribed part part of that was done by his wife uh, i think later on in his years but for about 25 to 30 years there was he had a secretary that would basically keep records and transcribe certain things because he would go into a into a i'm not sure what the term is but he would kind of basically go to sleep or go into us yeah he was uh, called the sleeping state. prophet in a yeah. sense yeah he would go into that unconscious right state and he'd come out with all of this information i know there's the edgar casey institute i think in virginia beach Right. Still builds things on the things that he did all those uh, years ago. Uh, right. But, you know, specific, did he, do you remember, did he, obviously he did a lot with the liver, but it was there a specific uh, relationship to, to Keisha's question? Yeah, because basically, yeah, you know, I'm going to go all the way around the tangent before I come back to the point, right? Um, if I remember the point, that is. <laughs> yes. So, so the thing was that this secretary uh, who had kept meticulous records for years and years had a daughter. And the daughter ended up getting HCV, and she lived in Florida, in Miami, I believe it was. And she came up to our clinic, we treated her, and then she ended up moving to Charlotte. And she lived in Charlotte, or in that surrounding area, for probably almost two years, about a year and nine months. And um, told me many stories that her mom had told her about Edgar Casey. And we treated her when she was done with her treatment. Um, we brought her viral counts down to non-detectable limits. Um, within probably about four months. And then about six months later, um, she, she basically, we thought the treatment was done, but about six months later, the, the levels came back. So they were detectable and they started rising again. But of course, she was going through a pretty stressful period. She was going through not a divorce, but a life partner she'd been with for many years, separation, moving back, some other issues going on with family, so there was a lot of stress in her life. She wasn't keeping up with the nutrition. There were some financial concerns. And we started the treatment again, and she got rid of a lot of those sources of stress. And within another few months, again, viral counts came back down to non-detectable limits. And the last time I talked to her, which was maybe two years ago, <clears throat> which was about six years time span between when she came to us. And then when I saw her, she brought actually her aunt who had cancer to our clinic. So in that six-year period, she had maybe two or three tests done, and every time there was no detectable limits of virus that, that they saw. And she had a, you know, she had hepatitis C, so which is theoretically not something that can be cured, you can't be cured for. So um, the point being that with the right treatment, 
this is certainly a, a doable thing. But you have to remember that it's not it's not a magic bullet, right? You have to do certain things, and that's the biggest problem. People won't do the things that they're that they're required to do. I've had patients that have come in for cancer and they've done the stuff that they need to do in the clinic. They do the IVs and do all the stuff, but the easy stuff, or what I consider the easy stuff, the stuff that doesn't cost any money or minimal amount of money, which is things they should be doing at home during you know the, the time they're not in the clinic, they won't do those things because they don't think that they're important because they're not having to spend you know tens of thousands of dollars for that stuff. So they don't think it's important. But those things are just as important. So it's a it's a the, the hepatitis C is one part of it, right? But And how you treat it, like whether it's silver or whatever. I mean, obviously, we do a lot more than just uh, – we do use IV silver, but that's mm-hmm. one of, like, seven components that we use. But the point is that there are other things that you can do at home. And if you're not doing those basic things that are a common denominator to achieve optimum health, regardless of what your issues, whether you have a liver issue or a gut issue, heart issue, immune issue, whatever it is, these are basic, basic things that a person should be doing. And if they're not doing those things, then you're going to end up losing ground. And those subtle changes, you know, people think, well, that's not that important. Well, th- those are the subtle changes that can make the difference between success versus failure. It's so sure. very, very small, little minute fluctuations. And and the edge is just making the lifestyle changes, right? I mean, yes. what you're eating, what you're drinking, how you're thinking, um, what, what your day is like, you know, what, where your state of mind is, whether you're exercising, whether you're consuming enough water, et cetera, et cetera. These are the basic things. And that's actually what the Map to Get Ahead program is all about, is to give people uh, a view as to what they can be in, in 30 days. I didn't mean to bring this to the Map of map to Get Ahead program. But it's, <laughs> it's okay. I mean, you know, we're trying to give people insight into how they can, uh, as we say, the power to heal is yours. We believe it. We live it. And we're providing tools for people that reconnect to that. Now, you know, 10 years after being identified with this issue and she's still suffering, you know, tells me the failure of modern medicine for sure. And, you know, what is my first thought if somebody says hep C or cirrhosis? I mean, these are end stage liver scenarios. I mean, this is not mild at this point. You've been you've had a problem for a long time. Why have the doctors not figured out a way to address liver? Well, one of the fundamental uh, starting points should be let's stop putting things that are toxic to the liver in the body. That might that's be a too problem. Logical, though. That's just that's too logical. Forms, you know, follows too much logical sense. So yeah, well, especially since as a physician, medical doctor, every tool you have, and then the state boards of medicine want to make sure you're licensed that you got to keep pumping out there. Every one of those tools are by definition toxic to the liver. Now, some may be more toxic, some may be less, but on, by definition, every one of them, they're foreign synthetics, and they're going to have to be metabolized somehow by the body and get get, get you know move them on out. And you were already having problems with your liver. So any treatment they give you, even if the end result is, oh, we don't detect any more hep C. Well, what good is that if in the process of getting rid of the test uh, detectables, you've damaged the liver further? Again, common sense logic. Exactly. And this is one of the problems where, where if you think about it, Robert, from the pharmacological perspective, there are very few drugs that are designed to affect the liver. I mean, they... You know, when you're dealing with the heart issue, the brain issue, the gut, there's a lot. The categories of drugs fall into these specific categories. It's the cardiac med, it's this med, that. There's not too many liver meds out there, right? I mean, most of the things that, that in fact, I don't know whether there are any specific drugs that are targeted specifically to the liver per se, yet every drug has an effect on the liver, okay? Yes. It's either the liver or the kidney. It's usually a combination of both, but pretty much every drug is it has some type of an impact on the liver. And the reason 
that for those of you that don't know why that is, it's because the liver is like the oil filter of the body. Just like you have an oil filter in the car engine, the, the body has an oil filter too, the liver. And the liver's job is to break down different things so that the body can process them and get them out. So you've got a couple of different types of filters. You have, uh, just like in a car, you have a gasoline filter, you have an oil filter. Mm-hmm. Um, the body has the kidneys and the liver, and those are the two big filters that are designed to help clean the blood, if you right. will, and to break down certain specific components so the body can continue to maintain its uh, normal function. Right. Now, the liver, unfortunately, uh, because of the drugs that are being taken, the liver gets hit regardless of the type of medication a person is taking, regardless of what, what uh, the, the design of that drug is. So Tylenol, which is a typical thing that people utilize for either one pain or two to drop a fever, has a tremendous detrimental effect on the liver. It creates uh, a, a load on the liver that's extraordinary. And then when people take it on a chronic level, you know, like uh, every four hours for fever, every four hours for pain or whatever the case is, it can have a lot of uh, deleterious effects, especially long term. Mm-hmm. And so when we're talking about the liver, in fact, I think the number one cause, uh, the number one uh, source of overdose in the United States is, is um, well, resulting in, in, in liver, acute liver failure yeah. is the Tylenol use of Tylenol. Right. That's right. It's, that's exactly right. It's Tylenol uh, overdose resulting in acute liver failure. By the way, uh, I want to give a, a plug to the Advanced Medicine Conference coming up in uh, Pasadena. In fact, I'll, I'll scroll down here in a moment so you guys can see visually uh, how to uh, connect. If you haven't signed up, I'm going to show you right now. Uh, there it is, the Advanced Medicine Conference. You'll see me, Dr. Batar, Dr. Bruce Lipton, uh, Dell, Ty's going to be presenting, uh, Nia Peoples and others, Patrick Quillen. So it's going to be an amazing thing. And I will just tell you, you know, one of the things that I'm going to be presenting on fully for the first time is the uh, the well, the water technology that you and I have talked about and our buddy Paul has, but the frequencies that we can program into the water, because, you know, the thing that got me my start as a homeopath were frequencies for the liver. How do I how do I help heal my liver that was congested and toxic as a young person growing up on standard American diet foods, vaccines, acetaminophen, aspirin, you name it, all that stuff, non-steroidals and steroidals. And so I was a mess. And so my mentor said, you've got to get that liver working again. And homeopathic frequencies are something that got me started in that direction. Now, I, we talk about mineral deficiencies, selenium, chromium. There's a whole lot of things you can do to restore liver. But we're going to talk about how the water coming from your tap with this technology, and we're going to be bringing that out at Advanced Medicine Conference, is going to allow you to say, you know what, liver, I need help. Water, give me liver frequencies. And in 90 seconds, you're going to be drinking frequencies that are beneficial for your liver. So also for our our caller question, that's going to be another aspect of the things we can bring to folks. That's such a powerful tool to have where you can basically with a couple of keystrokes on your smart device, uh, program a frequency or program a um, organ system that may need support and get the optimum frequencies entered into the water. I'm I mean, very excited. You basically excited. got your own... Um, your own custom pharmacy. And I mean, this is where the power to heal is yours. It, it becomes so, so instrumental. And Robert, I have to tell you that I'm very, very excited about that too, because it's taking the game to a different level. And with yeah. the mango technology that, that we're you know, bringing to the market here very, very soon, we've already done the study on it. And some of the people that are on here have been participating in that study. And with this type of uh, frequency generated, where we can actually introduce the resonance that we want into the water and 
many the head map and all these different tools and all these different resources uh, we are really helping to shift the paradigm of the definition of what health is and one of the problems has been that modern day society feels and the, the thought process has been and especially this has been promoted by modern medicine is that the absence of disease is health and it is not the case absence of disease is the middle of the line okay absence of disease is the middle portion if you think of disease on one extreme health is on the opposite extreme and absence of disease is in the middle <laughs> but the absence of disease in modern medicine has been misconstrued to be the opposite extreme from disease ie health so if you think that your absence of disease is health you have missed the boat and you need to revisit this thought process and and the thing that we're talking about robert the head map the the frequency the mango technology you know the protocol all these different things it's actually changing the paradigm to allow people to achieve the true health not the middle of the road where they think that they're in the in absence of disease being healthy not that not that definition of health but the actual opposite extreme of disease on the opposite extreme health wellness to the point that you are able to function effortlessly without pain in a manner that is that exceeds what your expectation is exceeds what people think you should be able to do for your age etc cetera, etc cetera, where you really feel good you jump out of bed you don't have pain or aches and depression etc cetera, etc cetera. that's what we're talking about and and these resources these tools are allowing the world to have the potential of achieving that if they're willing to do what they need to do to get to that right and speaking of that i mean this is a technological leap forward to the past when uh, the vital force was a concept that was widely accepted. If you go to ancient Chinese medicine, not communist modern medicine, we're talking ancient Chinese or Ayurvedic medicine. Uh, there are in a Middle Eastern teaching. I mean, they understood homeopathy, of course, energy healing. These are talking about the vital force. These are spiritual concepts that, as you and I have talked about, Doctor Batar, one of the, the the most the biggest disasters for modern medicine is not necessarily advanced technologies that could be helpful, but the divorcing from spirit, from the connection, the source of all sources, and we're reconnecting to that. And our buddy Ty Bollinger was funny when they were you know doing his Eastern medicine tour that's coming out next week. He said some people you know who are real believers in you know the same uh, belief system that they have in the, in the Christian religion were saying how dare you bring out these asian things as like as if it's like a religious concept well you can see evidence of energy and spirit in religion but the concept of healing and vital force is something in you know it, 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 you can't separate it from us it's who we are we are energetic beings of creation from a creator we would perceive that to be god of course and so reconnecting to that is what we're doing, even with some technology to help us along the way. People get so enamored and hung up on, on semantics. That's the amazing thing. You know what I mean? Um, if, if you take the, you know, I won't go down this tangent, but I'll just bring up one quick point. Hmm. If you think about the Trinity, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Okay. And then you talk about qi in, in Chinese medicine. Can you tell me what the difference is? I mean, energy, energy. I mean, right. it's it's the same thing, right? When you're talking about um, the spirit of the Lord is within you or whatever whatever the concept, and no matter what the denomination, what the religious beliefs are, every religion believes in some form of guidance, right? And and they talk about that. In fact, you even talk about the soul leaving, they've measured the weight of the soul when a person dies. <laughs> so I don't understand why people get so caught up in, in the words. It's like saying, I've heard people like attacking when it comes to like Islam, they'll say something about, you know, you people believe in Allah. It's like, well, Allah is the Arabic word for God. 
And, you know, one of my friends, um, uh, she's Christian, but she's from, she's from Jordan. And so when she'll say something like, Alhamdulillah, I'll, I'll say, I'll say, well, that's a Muslim thing. And she's like, no, it's not. It's Arabic, you know. And Christians use it too. But sure. people don't realize because Alhamdulillah or, or, or Allah is a word that's that Alhamdulillah means if God so wills it. I, I love word origin here, right? I like going back to the original words, even hallelujah, hallelujah, mm-hmm. Allah, Hugh. And we've talked about Hugh, ancient sacred name for God. These are sounds in... You know, and far be it for me to be blasphemous. Some people say, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you guys are talking about this. I'm like, you know, listen, I think God's big enough to go, you know, you can call it whatever you want. Exactly. It still is what it is. Right. Exactly. And yet, you know, Yahweh, we come Lord, Allah, God, whatever you it's, it's we come semantics, you know. Yeah. I, I sometimes will say, you know, I'll say the source or I'll say I'll say um, uh, I usually my choice of word is always creator, the creator. creator right. right yeah. But but source energy or universal consciousness, it's all the same thing. It's the vital same. source, vital force. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, again, what I say in, in homeopathy, we talk about obstacle to cure. You know, what is getting in the way? What's getting in the way? And it's often energetic blockages. Of course, then they manifest physically. Some of those energetic blockages are a, a, a belief in self or a lack it, thereof, right? It's we, all, it's yeah. all starts with the belief, Robert. Yeah. I was just going to say that. I'm glad you said it. So that blockage is... You said sometimes it's, it's always something to base upon your belief. Whatever it is, whatever you name, if you trace it back and you come down to the common denominator, it comes down to your belief on something mm-hmm. or about something. Yes. And that's what's blocking it. So as it manifests physically, again, as you said, as a, uh, where attention goes, energy flows, right? These concepts are very real. And Bruce Lipton is fantastic at describing this and how it impacts the genome and gene expression, which I, I dig. I get into that. But this concept of blockage or obstacle to cure there's an article here and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with our caller or or our questioner about liver health uh how to reduce your exposure to heavy metals now i said first and foremost you got to be feel like you're worthy of for instance better things in your life right i want to make better choices and some people say well no i i can't afford it something like that which actually is a reflection of self-worth more than it is what is or isn't in your bank account as an energy starting point. So obstacle to cure comes back to what you say. Belief starts it all. And then once you get the belief of I'm worthy, you go, okay, what do I need to do? What can I do? And Dr. Batar says, hey, do this or leave this out. And, and you know, how do we reduce exposure to heavy metals, for instance? That's what that, this article is about. And again, this is part of the process of recovery. Well, Robert, you know that heavy metals, that's where, you know, my... My entire professional life has been all revolving around heavy metals, at least the last 20 years of it. But, you know, you, you just opened up a can of worms by talking about this other aspect of, of worthiness. And so we've got the ahead map. I, I have to, I have no choice but to, I don't know whether you threw that ball up on purpose, to, you know, to have me slam it like, through the hoop again. Go. But you put it in. But, but I got to do it. Okay. So. Um, whether the ball slipped out of your hand, it just happens to look like a perfect alley-oop. But <laughs> I'd not, like I don't to think know. I'm a Steph Curry and I'm, I'm like really throwing it just perfectly. Now yeah, alley-oop exactly. and slam dunk it, you go. <laughs> well, the thing is that this belief system, it's interesting with this Map to Get Ahead program. Um, we were talking about this with some of the coaches. And a person's there's – a, there's a guy by the name of Dr. Will Merring who uh, published a book – and I have the book here with me. It's, it's about emotions and the chaos that goes along with emotions and how it has an impact on, on our health and our state of wellness. And he's helping me to create an emotional head map. Okay, it's going to be very powerful. It's based upon his book, but we're taking it to the next level. So just like you fill out the head map, you'll be able to fill this out, and then you'll be able to see where the issue is from an emotional standpoint, 
And then we will have specific solutions for those emotions so that you can, all you have to do is listen to them. It's, it's going to be amazing. It's part and parcel of the head, of the head map. Um, it's the next generation that's coming down and it'll be in conjunction with the head map tool. But what's interesting is that he told me that when you distill this, these emotional issues down, it always comes back to the fundamental belief of if you're worth it. If you have anger, if you have distrust, if you it all comes down to, you know, whether it's, in fact, recurring self-sabotaging behavior, it's because of a self-worth issue. And so when we were talking with the Map to Get Ahead coaches about, about the program, the 90 Days the New You program, which is the next, next level program, and the concept of what the cost of the program is, I, I, it hit me, okay? A person will say that 2000 or $3,000 or $4,000 is too much for their health, right? It's too much, it's too expensive. Yet they drive a $30,000 car, they live in a $300,000 house, but $3,000 for their own health is too much. And one of my staff members said, well, how do we overcome that? How do we help them? Because my staff knows that these are people going off the cliff and we're reaching out to help them. And I told them, I said, if a person feels that way, I want you to stop and I want you to bless them on their way. Tell them if there's anything else that you can ever do, you know, that you will be happy to help them, but just let them go on their way. And they were like, well, wait a second, Dr. Blah, 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 blah. And they're talking about marketing. I said, guys, we're not here to market. We're not here to convince anybody. Mm -hmm. We're here to provide a solution for those that understand. But if a person doesn't understand that they're, if they don't have a worth for themselves, I don't want to get involved with that because I can't get the result that I'm going to need until they believe that they're worthy. Okay. And, and to say perhaps that, Hey, just let them go may not be the best thing, but I've told them that let, you know, we've got the resources. They can take the head map, the emotional head map. They can do all this stuff mm -hmm. or, you know, guide them wherever else they need to go. But I believe fundamentally that until a person is willing to understand that, Hey, you know, it doesn't make any logical sense that I'm going to live in a three hundred or five hundred thousand dollar house or drive a thirty thousand or fifty thousand dollar car, but three thousand or five thousand dollars is not is too much for my health. Because guess what? That car and that house is going to be worth a zero when you transition to the next realm. Yeah. Okay? Because people don't get this. I mean, it's again. There's a book called Predictably Irrational, and it talks about how human behavior is so irrational, but it's predictable how irrational it's going to be. And this is one of those things that we don't, they don't put the same emphasis on our health yeah. as we should. If you're digging this discussion, y'all join us at the, uh, the big advanced medicine conference. And that's Memorial Day weekend in Pasadena, LA, California. We have links up in the show notes at robertscatbell.com, including uh, to get to the head map and all of that through uh, the association. We've talked about the IDFW. And, and Dr. Bittar, you, uh, Super Don had sent last week or so. Remember, we had people that didn't catch the deadline in time just to make sure they're plugged in. I think you got that for everybody. Yes, uh, um, we're working on that. They'll get a, they'll get a link. So basically, yeah. I'm surprised that we had that many people because we've only been talking about it for, what, about a year and a half? and. Yeah, people haven't done it. But anyway, today is, in fact, uh, today's the day. Today's March. Isn't today's March? No, today's April, April 1st. 1st. Yeah. It ended yesterday. It ended yep. yesterday. So I want to acknowledge those that did send in on time that we got you extra time. Dr. Batar was flexing with us all, and that was great. Uh, and links again in the show notes, robertscottbell.com, including the article we talk about how to reduce exposure to heavy metals. First, you got to believe you're worthy. Then you're going to start making decisions based on information that is not damaging to your liver. Like here, take this drug for hep C or cirrhosis or whatever, because every drug by definition is toxic, mild to very severely. And one of the ones we didn't mention, statin drugs, one of those toxic drugs to the liver on top of Tylenol, right? 
And to destroy cholesterol production, you have to destroy the liver, right? Cholesterol is healthy to protect you in so many ways, including brain and neurological health, which are damaged certainly by heavy metals and mercury especially. But remember, a lot of the impact on the brain and nervous system also is traveling through the gut. Here's another interesting story, Dr. Batar, I want to hit before we're going to uh, break. We still, got a, we still got a little bit of time. Yeah, we're good. But gastrointestinal complaints in children could signal future mental health problems. This is on Medical Express. Columbia University study found that adversity early in life is associated with increased GI symptoms in children that may have an impact on brain and behavior as they grow to maturity. Now, I don't know why they, they don't acknowledge what we would acknowledge. How about the, the violent act of vaccination being part of the adversity, causing a tremendous stress on the body, on the microbiome, on the brain and nervous system, and the impact that would have on future development, including mental health issues? Yeah, you, you're absolutely right, Robert. There's, without a doubt, there's a tremendous um, insult to the body during the vaccination process. And the onslaught of uh, the, the whole cascade of events that takes place, you know, you've got the toxic component, you've got the um, immune response that is incapable of responding because it's not fully developed, and then the um, added um, burden on the system to try to have, have to respond when it's not fully developed. And then, of course, as I mentioned, the, the heavy metal aspect, which we I guess we didn't even really talk about the heavy metal aspect in the, in the previous study. We need to probably come back to that. But sure. the point is that this entire... Uh, cascade of events is creating um, it's creating an energetic pulse that we have no idea what the consequences of that are. But Dr. Lipton actually, when I was with him, I was with him just last week and uh, we spent uh, four or five hours and we were talking about uh, the impact on a neonate and, and during the gestational period. In fact, I didn't realize that He's done a lot of uh, work in that area, and his uh, his uh, wife uh, or partner, Margaret, that's where they actually met at a neonatal conference 24 years or 23 years ago. And he's he actually showed some slides. He's shown some slides before in some of his presentations where the fetus, the response of the fetus, based upon the sounds that it's hearing. So this is in utero, and they've got uh, sonograms that are going on, and then they play a recording, and the recording is you know, say music versus um, the father talking to the mother in a normal tone versus the father, you know, suddenly yelling. Uh, or, and, and you can see the fetus jump. I mean, literally, it's like jolts, you know, and the impact that that type of behavior or that type of occurrence has on the fetus before even the first breath is taken. And so there are so many consequences to our action. And then this comes back to how we talk to our children, which I know that I've made the mistakes myself but the use of words. Oh Instead yeah. Saying, I, I, listen, I'm a dad. I've been there. I'm like, dude, I, I wish I hadn't said that. Right. Or even yeah. the tone. And, and, you know, part of, of course, uh, uh, life, if we look back at the history of humanity, you know, yelling at somebody should be a minor issue that shouldn't really impact the way it does. And because yet it does. It does. Right. Cause yeah. you're talking about run from the saber tooth tiger, right? That's, that's a real issue. And we go, my gosh, uh, he yelled at me for something I did, you know, and, and yet it has an impact that we have to acknowledge that it's unconscious or subconscious in a sense that shapes you as an adult. You don't realize why you act and react to things. And that's a big part of, you know, the energetics of life itself and how you are, who you are and how you behave because of those even, things. It's not even just, you know, the tone of the voice or whether you yell, 
sometimes even the words said totally calmly, like you'll never amount to much versus, hmm. you know, I, I've often wondered why you know, people have always given me exactly about success. And I've, I realized I never had anybody tell me I couldn't do something. And the few times that I had somebody that told me I couldn't do something, like I remember in medical school, my first uh, in college, I'm sorry, undergrad, hmm. I went to Washington University in St. Louis. And Washington University is known for two things. Besides, you know, it's one of the it's it's known to it's among the top most top five most difficult undergraduate workloads from a student standpoint. But it's known for two things: the highest gay population, at least when I was there, highest gay population and highest suicide rate. And uh, so it was it was interesting. In fact, all the high rises in the the dorms that were all high rises now are all gone because they had so many people that were committing suicide. Wow! In the dorms. Um, so I was, I was amazed when I went, when I was on campus, like maybe eight years ago, seven years ago, I noticed like, where, where all the high rises go? I said, yeah, they took them all down because of all the suicide rates. Mm-hmm. So the reason I'm bringing this up is that I had my advisor in college, my first semester, my grades were so bad. I was, a, you know, I was in the top two, 3% in my high school, but I go to Washington university and I was just like, you know, at the bottom of the bottom. I mean, I barely passed my first semester and my advisor said, basically told me that, You'll never be a doctor. You, you know, your grades are n- not good enough. You'll never be there. So you need to start looking at a different profession. And um, when I, you know, three and a half years later, when I got, I applied to 32 medical schools, I got into 30 of the 32 and the last two I got waitlisted on. And I had copies of those letters and, you know, because of course I changed my advisor and I slid them underneath his door. And one of my friends was, you know, one of my fraternity brothers actually was his uh, uh, teacher's advisor, one of his class advisors, um, teaching assistant. Mm-hmm. And so he was there when the professor came in and I said, what did he say? What did he say? He said, well, I, I hate to disappoint you. And I was like waiting, you know, to this guy, what he saw when he picked up those letters. He picked up those letters. And now this guy, you know, for three and a half years, I was pissed off at him and boom, boom, boom. You know, I'm going to prove him wrong. My, my friend, my friend brother said he picked up the letters. He looked at this and he goes, who is this guy? What are all these medical schools? For? I don't even know who that is. And threw them all away. <laughs> so he didn't even remember who I was. Right. That was the, that was the motivation he gave me. So. Sometimes yeah. we don't realize what we say, how much of an impact it has on somebody else. And mm-hmm. actually, I was just watching Michael Jordan on um, I was flying yesterday. Um, I left Atlanta from Dr. Harvard's memorial. It was a great memorial. And there are a couple of people actually on Facebook that just mentioned the memorial. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, Dr. Harvard's at his memorial. Um, as I flew back, I was watching a, a TV show uh, or not a TV show, a movie called In Search of Greatness. And this movie, this documentary, had Michael Jordan in there, and it was giving it gave him a, a segment of his speech when he was uh, being inducted into the Hall of Fame. And it's amazing because uh, you know you would think he's being very gracious. He's talking about the people that didn't that didn't believe in him, right. that said that you know he wasn't going to do this or that. And at the end, he, he basically thanks them. He doesn't like thank them, thank them, but he thanks them, and it, he says it in a way that you can tell he's grateful because they gave him the impetus to push forward. Right. But if you hear that message all the time, it can be very, very destructive. It can be very damaging because then your belief system has been adjusted to believe that you're not good enough. And we talked about not being good enough in the beginning of the show. Today. Sure. Well, so, and it, it depends. I mean, if you're a d- defenseless, vulnerable tri- child, you don't know how to interpret that as an adult. You know, you can take it and use it for motivation. And, and you know, whether that person was conscious or completely unconscious of his role in your life, the fact is, I think spirit knows more than any of us what we need. 
Now, the question is, what do we do with that which we're given? And I come back to the worthiness again. There are people that legitimately have little to no money in their bank account. Maybe they're not driving a $50,000 car. Maybe, you know, there's always somebody that's going to go Dr. Batar. But in my case, I'm for real, right? I'm on SSI. And I'm like, you know what? You don't give God enough credit for his or her ability, however you describe God, to give you what you need and deserve. If you would only open up to that blessing that is trying to be given unto you all of the time. And that excuse, which is legitimate from a mathematical equation perspective, is not legitimate when it comes to from a, a spiritual worthiness, your true nature. And so eliminate that as an obstacle. You might still have nothing in the bank account and something just falls in. I don't know. But I had to be learned this early that I was a poor college kid when I started eating organic food and it was way more expensive and a lot harder to find when I started. But I had to first believe I was worthy enough to make the choice. And at the end of the month, my gosh, I had the same amount of money left over. I don't know how the math worked, but it was a spiritual issue. And that's where we talk about the spiritual toxicity in the nine steps to keep the doctor away. Dr. Batar, we're going to have to pause and wrap up the radio side of this. Those of you don't go away that are watching us live on YouTube or Facebook or elsewhere. And we're going to be back with some extra innings, some bonus time with Dr. Batar. I know people are dropping questions in through YouTube. If you want to keep watching, we'll answer them as well. Robert, what you just said, though, I mean, that's so important. I want to continue following. And we'll that. do that. All right. So we'll start there. We're going to take a breather. Dr. Batar, tell them what they need to know, because we got to go. But we're going to be right back. That invariably the power to heal is absolutely yours. The Robert Scott, the Bell, Robert Scott Bell Show. Scott Bell Show.